Ion 2020 episode 199. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, the host that brings you the show. Monday through Friday, it's going to relate to you the news, the events, the things that go on in the 2020 election, covering some other news as well, just making sure that you guys are up to speed on the things that are going on, 2020 election and elsewhere, I guess, but uh, mostly I focus on the 2020 election, that's why this is called Ion 2020, of course, and you know it, you've been continuing to listen to this show Monday through Friday since January, I know a lot of you guys are new to the show, I see the listenership go up on a regular basis as well. And a lot of you guys are new, so you could go back and check out some of those shows. I am approaching 200 episodes, which um, I don't know that a lot of podcasts do that. I don't know. I mean, my initial thing when I started this thing back in January, I was like, I think I'll just do a Monday through Friday show, try to do five shows a week. I don't know what on earth I was thinking because this stuff can take up a lot of your time trying to do the research and everything. It's also... Uh, when I was trying to do a lot of editing and stuff, that was another thing that was taking up a lot of time. And it just will burn you out pretty fast if you try to do everything. So what I've been trying to do is, you know, I do the show Monday through Friday, and I basically don't edit it barely any, just so that I don't take up too much of my time, because I have a full-time job as well. But back in January when I started this thing, I was like, I'm just going to get up to 100 episodes and I'll make some decisions from there. Same thing with this. Uh, the, when Once I hit 100, I said, you know what? I'm going to go for 200 and see what happens from there. And tomorrow, I'll figure out if I'm going to go on for 300. I don't know. I'm one of those people that if I say I'm going to do something, I just continue to do it. That's just the way that I am. And uh, if I, as much as it beats me up, because there's some days, and I hear a lot of podcasters say this stuff as well. There's some days where it just... You just don't want to do the podcast, you know? But the reality is, is I've committed to myself to doing the podcast, and I'll keep on doing it. It's not like I'm retiring anytime soon because of the podcast, but I just want to... I just enjoy doing it. It's something that allows for a little creative outlet for me. I also have another podcast that I decided to start doing as well, and uh, that one maybe at some point can start figuring out ways to monetize that one. I don't think political podcasts are very easy to monetize. I haven't really seen a lot of these guys that are doing podcasts. They don't. It's not like they're uh, quitting their day jobs by any means. But there are other podcasters that do. But you got to figure out ways to monetize it outside of just the podcasting. Because these advertisements and stuff that you do, uh, they don't make you huge amounts of money. Now, there is like Jason Stapleton. I think that he... No, because he's figured out other ways to monetize his as well like he sells a lot of like self-help guru type things so uh but he does a libertarian podcast as well uh tom woods has figured out ways to monetize his podcast uh that's a political podcast also but this is a political podcast that i'm just doing because i enjoy it and i enjoy talking about what's going on with the 2020 election that's why i continue to do it daily monday through friday and uh 
I don't think I'm going to stop. But you know what? I'm going to think about that between now and tomorrow when I put out the next episode, and we'll see, okay? But we're on 199, so thank you for continuing to uh, show your support by coming back and listening. You must be telling your friends about the show as well, which I appreciate because that helps with the listenership. So uh, tell your friends about the show, and uh, we'll just keep on spreading the message of liberty together, okay? That's what we'll do. Uh, since I have 199 shows right now, this is 199. You can go back and listen to 198 of them if you want to as well. And uh, but you could do that just by subscribing to the show and then going and scrolling through and finding the shows that you like to listen to and check that out. Uh, and then also, if you've been listening for 199 episodes now and you like what you hear, now would probably be the perfect time to uh, give me a five-star rating and review. That's helpful for the algorithms and stuff that helps other people to find the show when they search for like political podcasts, they search for election 2020 coverage, or they just search for a libertarian podcast. Hey, there I am. I pop up and they're like, hmm, that seems like an interesting show. I'll go ahead and click on that one and listen to it. And if you're one of those people that clicked on it and listened to it today, you might as well subscribe to the show so you can hear it tomorrow, you know? Because um, I'm just going to keep on going on until, until I get bored with this thing. Um... Hillary Clinton, man, she is officially but unofficially running for for president. I'm pretty sure she's going to be running. Uh, I've been looking at this thing, and I'm like thinking to myself, I see her on, I think it was like CBS Sunday Morning, and that's kind of a, it's not a political show, so CBS Sunday Morning, every every morning when I wake up, this is what I do, guys, on, so on, not every morning, but on Sunday mornings, it's become a tradition in my family, I wake up... Uh, slightly hungover because I like to go out and uh, watch college football all day on Saturdays, but I wake up slightly hungover on Sunday mornings. I've been doing this for years and years and years now. I wake up and I make chocolate chip pancakes for the kids, throw some bacon on the little griddle and start getting that going as well. And we have bacon, some eggs, and chocolate chip pancakes for the kids. That's what we do every Sunday morning in the Eaton household, right? And uh, I throw on a show called CBS Sunday Morning. And the reason why I like watching this is because it's usually not anything to do with politics. Nine times out of ten, this show is, it goes on from 9 o'clock till 10.30 in the morning. And there's no politics whatsoever. It's usually just um, interesting articles that they, or interesting, you know, articles that they do on different current event type things and also they'll cover stuff from like the past they always a lot of times they'll cover like somebody from the 1960s who is a musician who's doing this and that now or whatever you know I guess it's interesting stuff that they'll cover and to me it gets my mind off of politics for a little bit I'm sitting there cooking the bacon and doing all that and the kids are having fun and and I'll sit there and just watch that show I keep a half an eye on it it's not like I'm paying too much attention to it uh, but that's what we do in the Eaton household every Sunday morning. So if you ever want to join us, come on over. I always, uh, I'm always good with people eating some pancakes, you know, and especially chocolate chip pancakes. I've actually been doing for myself blueberry pancakes for about the last month or two now because uh, I really enjoy those. But anyway, um, so CBS Sunday morning, watching it last week, and I see Hillary Clinton, and they're doing an interview with her because she recently came out with a book called. I can't remember what it's called, but it's something to do with, um, with like women in the past, right? Pe- like really strong women from the past. And uh, it's her 
Hillary Clinton and Chelsea Clinton, they wrote it together. And they're doing an interview and stuff. And they're trying to keep it off of politics, it sounds like to me. They're just kind of talking about, like, Eleanor Roosevelt, who is, like, this super strong woman. And they look up to her and all that stuff. And you can tell that they're fake about it. I mean, Hillary Clinton, never very much of a personable person. She has very little charisma whatsoever. And her daughter is exactly the same. No charisma. You could tell that they're just lying through their teeth. You could tell that they're just kind of BSing their way through it, acting like they are so intrigued with Eleanor Roosevelt and all these women from the past and so forth. And um, I could just tell, I, you could just see right through it that they could care less whatsoever. They're just doing it because it's a book and they've been kind of told what to do. And, you know, Chelsea's sitting there saying, Yeah, my mom, every day she sends me a couple pages on about the book and it's all handwritten out and I have to go in there and transcribe it for her and you know put it into some nice words and all that. I can guarantee you that there was a ghostwriter that written wrote the book, but that's just kind of what they're talking about and saying that they did it together as a as a family and I'm just watching and I'm just thinking to myself, all they are is just BSing their way through this interview to make it sound like there's some great mystical thing that they just are enchanted with all these great women of the past now whether the women are great women of the past or not is neither here nor there what i was looking at is hillary clinton and chelsea clinton now what do people do when they're about to run for political office right what does somebody do when they're gonna run for president well hillary clinton's already told her life story she's already come up with her policy proposals things of that nature so what does someone do though just before they're about to announce that they're going to run for president. They go on a book tour. They release a book. They go on a book tour. Rand Paul did it. Mitt Romney did it. John McCain did it. Hillary Clinton did it last time. And in 2008, Barack Obama did it. If you look at every of the 22 candidates that are running right now, all of them released a book pretty much in the last couple of years. Even Howard Schultz, the CEO of um, Starbucks, he released a book and went on a book tour, and all the speculation was that he was going to run for president as an independent. You don't hear anything about that now, but all these people, what they do when they're about to run for president is they write a stinking book and they release it, right? Hillary Clinton has a problem, and her biggest problem is likability. Her biggest problem is not looking like a nice person, her big one of her biggest problems is just she has no charisma whatsoever. So if she goes into this looking like a down to earth grandma who wrote a book with her daughter and all that stuff, like that's the face that she's trying to put out there in public. I guarantee you that in some way they are feeling it out whether she should run for president again or not. And she's one of those people, I said this in the past as well. She's one of those people that if she got into the race right now or just after the October debates, right? Because you had the debates in September and now you got the debate in October that's coming up next week. And the thing that's happening with those debates is that you have to have 130,000 donors. You have to have, um, I can't remember what it was, 2% of the polls and so forth, right? And the only people that have made it, all, the t all 10 people that are on the stage last in debate in September they're all going to be there. And then the new people that are going to be is John Steyer, 
who's kind of like an entrepreneur, right? And I think he was a congressman or something back in the past. But he put $100 million of his own money into the campaign. So he's getting on that debate stage. He basically bought his way onto the debate stage. And then you have Tulsi Gabbard, who's going to be on that debate stage as well. Those are the only other two that have made it onto the debate stage, other than the top 10 that were on there last time. So you're going to have probably two nights of debates, but they might just throw 12 people up there and pack them in. Who knows? But um, if... If it's all said and done at the end of that, now they're going to increase it to another level, right? So you're going to have to have like 3% for the November debates and the December debates. Like They're just increasing it, a higher threshold that these people have to meet. And Tulsi Gabbard's not going to get there. John, Tom Steyer might get there. Who knows? But a few of these people, Amy Klobuchar, Cory Booker, a few of those, like probably seven or eight of those people are not going to be able to make it on the debate stage at all. You're going to have four or five that are left and that's it. Unless somebody that's super popular decides to hop in the race. Oprah Winfrey, Hillary Clinton, Michelle Obama. Those are the only people probably that can just immediately have 4 or 5% of the vote, immediately raise millions upon millions of dollars, immediately get 160, 170,000 individual donors. Like they can make that happen fast just because of the personalities that they are because of their the fact that they are popular people within the liberal or the um the liberal movement right so those uh, that is the only way that somebody new can hop in right now and still get through onto the debate stages say in november and december and hillary clinton is clearly feeling it out right now that's my feeling about that that's why she would release a book that's why she's trying to go to market in a different way, which is like a softer Hillary Clinton. Somebody that's more like your grandma, someone that's going to be able to bring people together and unite them. She's the the uniting voice. The not I'm not Donald Trump, but you know what? This is my time now. Yeah, you have a little bit of a buyer's remorse with Donald Trump. Come vote for me. That's what she's trying to say. We'll know. We'll know soon enough. I think it'll probably be like mid-October or mid to late October, after the debates, the next debate's over with, right? That'll be next week, is the, I think, is the next round of debates. And you'll see her up on that stage. Um, or you'll see her up on a stage announcing that she's going to run for president. But if she doesn't do it by about the beginning of November, um, then she's probably not going to do it, and she's just re- releasing a book for the hell of it. I don't know. But why would you release a book right in the midst of the democratic debates right in the midst of the democratic primary unless that was your intention right off the bat i don't know we'll see i mean let the let the chips fall where they will is what they're thinking right now like let these people slay each other and then i'll just jump right into it that's probably that's that's my theory on the matter anyway so um will hillary clinton get in i think there's about a 70 percent chance that she will at this point and i keep a pretty close eye on this stuff uh there's even been a couple of articles that were written like one of them starts off it says hillary clinton's on a book tour but 66 million people wish she was somewhere else the white house and uh and that's i mean that was the start of an article that was written like um what was it the san francisco chronicle or something so that's a pretty liberal area and maybe they're all just wishing that she would just run because i said it in the past and i'll say it again 
There is no good candidate right now for the Democrats. There isn't. Joe Biden, falling apart. Can't remember his own name sometimes. Um, Elizabeth Warren, who's leading the charge right now, like, she has no charisma whatsoever, um, and no one really likes her, and everyone says that if she becomes the next, or she becomes a nominee, she's going to get destroyed by Donald Trump because she's just not a likable character, you know? And then you got Bernie Sanders, who's like as far left as you can get. Might as well just call himself a communist and carry a hammer and sickle around with him and wear a um, wear a Che Guevara t-shirt or something. And then you got a bunch of other, I mean, and then you get like a bunch of other small-time players at that point, you know? There's nobody really that's making an impact. You got... Cory Booker is very charismatic, but he's just not getting any traction whatsoever. Kamala Harris, she's just falling apart at this point as well. Um, Pete Buttigieg, just a young guy, you know? I just don't see... I see him as more vice presidential candidate for Hillary Clinton, but... Because he's like the bench for 2024. If Donald Trump loses. He's like the bench for uh, 2028. If the Democrats get in now... If a Democrat wins now, and then they get reelected in 2024, he's like the bench in 2028, where he'll be like a young 50, you know, just ready to take on the world and run as the, from vice president to president. That's, that's how I see Pete Buttigieg, but I will see how this goes. I just think that, I think that, um, there's not a good candidate for the Democrats. I don't think anyone's really super excited about any of them. And then you got Hillary Clinton who decides to jump in because everyone tells her that she should do it and it's her time now or something. Who knows? Um, but let me go ahead and get off that subject really fast and hop on to the next um, subject of the day, which I was looking to talk about. And that is, uh, is Donald Trump really pulling out of Syria? Is he le- leaving the Kurds? So the Kurdish... I think it's like the Syrian Kurdish, the Syrian Kurds are having a little bit of a. They they've been fighting against ISIS, and the United States has been giving them arms, and they've been arming the Syrian Kurds so they can go in there and fight ISIS, and they've pretty much eliminated ISIS supposedly, um, and now what's happening is that Turkey has never liked the Kurds at all. Like they are considered a terrorist organization inside of Turkey. Turkey now, remember, is a NATO ally of the United States. So if one, if Turkey gets attacked by anybody, then NATO allies will go in there and defend Turkey and defend them against whoever whoever's fighting against them, right? That's the way that NATO's set up. So they're an ally of the United States through NATO. And everyone is trying to make it sound like Turkey and Russia our partners and buddies and all that. Turkey is in NATO. Russia is not even in NATO. Russia was, or Turkey, or excuse me, NATO was created in order to defend against Soviet aggression after World War II. But Turkey does buy some weapons from Russia right now. So everyone's saying, and this is what the Democrats and Republicans are saying, especially the neoconservatives and the and the warmongers on the on the left left as well, what they're saying is that uh, by Donald Trump leaving Syria and leaving the Kurds to defend for themselves, uh, they're just 
they're making it so that the Kurds are going to get demolished by the Turks, pretty much. And they're saying that we're traitors and all that stuff. Um, the thing is, we shouldn't have been there in the first place. That's the first point that I'm trying to make. Um, is Donald Trump leaving Syria? That would be a good thing. I've been saying it's for a long time that the United States needs to leave Syria. Uh, it's very important that... I mean, nobody invited the United States in there anyway. I guess the, I guess the Kurds did. And the Syrian government kind of says, you know what, that's their area anyway. Uh, they've kind of left the Kurds alone for a long time. And the Kurds were fighting as an ally of America. The positive thing is that they have our weapons and so do the Turks. So I guess we can go sell them both weapons. I don't know. I'm sure that's what Donald Trump is thinking in the first place. I think that's absolutely terrible because we sell the Turks weapons as well as the this, the Kurds weapons, so it's just, um, it's a debacle, guys, it really is, uh, United States should not have been, even been in there in the first place, and that's my, that's kind of my take on that, man, is that we just need to leave well enough alone, bring the troops home in the first place, I mean, we don't need to be in Iraq, things are going south in Iraq as we speak anyway, with the government who is, uh, a complete corrupt government, and there's people just riding on the streets, and the, the Iraqi government is going out and killing people right now, and then we have our troops there, and then we have troops in Syria. Let them pull out of Syria. Let them pull out of Iraq completely and just start moving them home, guys. And that, that's, the, that's the best thing that we can do. There's just, there's just no way that we're going to be able to form or create peace in a place like that. And the Kurds, I mean, yeah, they've been an ally of the United States in the fight against Syria, and or the, not the Syria, against ISIS. And they have all these weapons and stuff, the United States, I'm sure. But the Turks, man, they, the thing about the Turkey is that they've had a love-hate relationship with the Kurds for so long. And I think what, what's happening is that it's either this, American troops get the hell out of the way, or Turkey's going to invade anyway. Like, they want to take over that entire area and rid of the Kurds and... What does America do in that case? It's a NATO ally. Um, that's why we shouldn't be involved in a lot of these things in the first place because it does push us into a position where we're going to be um, having the Kurds who have American weapons and tanks and bombs and the Turks who have American weapons and tanks and bombs. They go at it against each other. And uh, what side do we take? What side does the United States take in that? I don't know. Um, I just think that it's a good thing. And if you know what, if the neocons are against it, if Lindsey Graham's against it, if even the Democrats are criticizing Donald Trump for pulling out of Syria like that, then it's probably a good thing. You can pretty much count on it being a good thing. And uh, next, he should go out and pull out of Afghanistan. Next, he should go out and stop supporting the Saudis in Yemen. And uh, maybe bring all the troops home from Iraq, then start closing bases in Germany. Yeah, then we'd have uh, Trump the peacemaker, man. And he could take that right down to the next election and win because of that, if that was the case. But I think it's a good thing. Uh, I will give him positive props on that. Uh, hopefully it doesn't blow up in his face. And hopefully the uh, military-industrial complex will just uh, 
not have so much control over the deep state that this doesn't even happen in the first place. So uh, that's my thoughts on this whole Syrian Kurd thing with Turkey. I mean, Turkey's going to invade Syria pretty soon. And that was probably Trump saying, you know what? I'm not going to have our boys getting killed over this thing. So uh, y'all deal with it yourselves. So anyway, guys, I appreciate you continue to come out and listen to the show every single day. If you, when listening, you like what you hear, go in and, go in and subscribe to the show, okay? Uh, you can also support the show anchor.fm slash ion2020. Also, if you go to iontheempire.com, there's a place where you can click to support the show as well. It'll take you to that anchor.fm slash ion2020, all right? And then uh, five starting reviewers are helpful. Iontheempire.com is my website. And then you just keep on coming back every day so you can have clear vision for 2020. Okay, it's official. First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. The website is up, firstyearinsales.com, as well as the podcast, First Year in Sales. So, if you know somebody or if you happen to be in sales, you might as well go ahead and check this thing out, right? Because it is going to help you become a better salesperson by grounding you with the habits and the skills needed to be successful in sales, especially in your first year, but... Even if you're not in your first year, might as well check it out because then you'll be able to get back to the basics and getting back to the basics is key in sales. I've always felt that way. So go ahead and check it out. First year in sales is ready and it's a podcast and you can do firstyearinsales.com.